I think we're at this point now where people need to know more about who he was. Every Anybody who's ever gotten to know my dad absolutely adored him. As soon as we actually started spending time together, I knew within like two weeks that he was the guy that I was going to be with. And I think we really balanced each other out. Um, so yeah, I was, I, I started, I like hardcore pursued him. I think that was kind of the, the defining thing of your guys's relationship. And what made it so special is that you really, you really were ride or die for each other. And he was a person who always had my back. I mean, he was a total dad. He made dad jokes all the time. He made fun of me all the time. Those versions of you, those versions of me, they didn't exist anymore after your dad died. But I think that goes to speak to, you know, how much of a stabilizing anchor and force your dad was um, in our family. Hey, how's it going? Uh, you know, it's going. Well, let's just catch up because it's you've been gone. And yeah, I was on a I was on a pretty awesome trip. Um, I took my motorcycle out to to Yellowstone and through the Grand Tetons and everything like that, um, along with some some friends, and it was it was a good time. Was yeah. Good time. If you guys hear the whining in the background, it's Isaac's dog Charlie, who likes I don't know. Anyway, he wants to go sit out on the balcony. The problem is, is he likes to bark at neighbor dogs if they walk by. And so, yeah, he'll be even <laughs> more loud if I let him out. Yeah. So um, I'm curious what I would love to hear from people that are listening to us is, you know, to start. Give, I mean, we've gotten some feedback about the podcast from various people. Um and a few reviews from people as well that have been really positive, uh, which is great to hear. Um, some of the stuff that I thought was really nice and sort of uh, goes along with kind of what our original intentions were. I mean, when we started the podcast, the purpose of it was to um, not only like honor your dad and tell his story and tell our story at the same time. Um, but also hopefully along the way, part of our journey, the things that we've dealt with and like our perspectives on life and mental health and the stuff that happens that hopefully something would resonate with, you know, other people, um, and be helpful for them. And I think we're starting to, or have been, you know, doing that. I've got, we've gotten some feedback from a few people, um, who've lost someone, and, you know, this has been helpful. Um, I've had also people who haven't gone through this sort of thing and mm -hmm. find it very enlightening. You know, yeah. Can... And then uh, also some other people that just have their own struggles or battles with whether it's mental health or family situations or relationships have um, commented on this being helpful. So like, I really appreciate that. I mean, I think that was ultimately our goal was to try to find some commonality with people and also help. I don't, I don't know, like it's easy to feel really isolated in this world and feel like what you go through is like very unique to you. Like and, you're, yeah. yeah. Like you're the only one dealing with it. Right. And 
I think we all deal with stuff and maybe we deal with stuff differently, but like we all are human. We have the human experience and we live in a pretty crazy world. And so I think normalizing a lot of the just feelings that come along with some of the stuff that we experience has been um, interesting. Um, So I love the feedback that we've been getting. I also, um, I think my ask for anyone who is enjoying our podcast is to share this with people that you think might enjoy it as well. Um, I think anytime you're starting a podcast and you're like independent and not working with some big network, you know, the challenge is always just getting it out there. And um, so, you know, if you're enjoying this, share it (laughs) with people that you think would enjoy it as well. Yeah, you know, if, if uh, you know, all, all of those things that, that people say uh, anytime you listen to a podcast or, or watch a YouTube video or any of those things where it's like, you know, interact with the video as much as you can, share it with as many people because that stuff genuinely does help us um, to be able to actually do this more. Yeah, when I was, when I watched things before on social media um, or like YouTube or even, you know, when I did listen to podcasts, I didn't really realize like how much that made a difference for people. Um, and it's not even about like, it's more about the more interaction you get on the various platforms, the more the podcast or the content gets shared by that particular platform. So it's more about if you feel that what you're hearing is helpful or you're really enjoying you know, the thing that Isaac and I have going on, um, just by like, liking, commenting, sharing, you know, following, doing all of that stuff, it shows that people are engaged. And so then the various platforms start to highlight, you know, the various episodes so that other people can um, potentially find the podcast as well. So besides sharing, those are the only other things that are helpful. Um, and then giving us feedback and the feedbacks for us. I mean, so I think, um, one of the things Isaac and I have been talking about is, um, like additional content. And I know that eventually when we're done telling the story, we foresee in the future, this podcast evolving into something, um, more topical, uh, and really just kind of starting to touch on some of the things that are interesting and like we're passionate about, you know, in terms of mental health or relationships. Um, I think a lot of people find the yours and I's relationship very interesting um, and how we manage that because I don't think that you see a lot of parent-child relationships like ours. Um, Yeah, it's fairly fairly uncommon (laughs) even among my friends and whatnot. Right? Um, But, you know, we've worked hard on that and... um, And I, you know, I'm happy to talk about things outside of this particular journey um, and offer that as content as well. Uh, Eventually, we want to get into that more regularly. But if obviously our purpose in starting this conversation and this particular um, podcast and journey and story was there's a purpose behind it, you know, Um, and it might not be completely apparent now, but as the story unfolds, you'll understand really why we felt so strongly about sharing this story. 
um, and just the journey of like what we've experienced. But I mean, ultimately, you know, the feedback and getting ideas from you guys is like what kind of things that you would like to hear us talk about or like, you know, situations or topics or things like that. That's helpful as well. Yeah. Yeah. Share as much as you can and, and give us feedback in um, the comments or in reviews or anything like that as well. Um, and if you hate it, just don't. <laughs> don't say anything. If you don't like it, just, you know, don't. Yeah. No, I'm just, just moving. Um Speaking of kind of getting back into the story, I think um, kind of next we should, I think we should just kind of share, you know, what, what Eric, what my dad was like, you know, so maybe let's start with um, how did you guys, how did you guys meet? How did you start dating? You know? Yeah. I mean, I Tell think, me about him. yeah, I think we're at this point now where people need to know more about who he was, right. For the story to continue to make um, sense. Um, I met your dad. Well, I kind of knew your dad my almost my entire life. I, my family, um, or I shouldn't say my family, my mom, um, started, she would, she had like religion hopped when we were little. Um, I think, I don't know. I think she honestly has been like a part of 50 bazillion different religions. Um, up into up until I was about five or six and um so she found you know a particular faith that she was really interested in and when I was little we started regularly um attending those services and um Eric is a part of the same faith and he also attended the same congregation that um we did the funny thing about your dad is that he's had a crush on me or he had a crush on me. It's so hard not to talk about him in present tense. Um, do you find that hard? I feel like I, I talk as if he's still here. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I think, I think for me, I've, I've probably experienced, I probably, it seems as though I've experienced more life with him not here that like, it feels like I've lived a whole lifetime. And that's just, I think kind of my age of when, when he passed, like coming to fruition and that it's only been five years, but it's like very transformative years for me. Yeah. Well, five years is a long time. I mean, in your right. But, all, but especially when you're going 18 to your mid twenties, that's a, a very, yeah, very particular five years that so changes a lot in your life. You find yourself talking more about him in past tense when you talk about him. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of at this weird point where like I I miss our family and I miss my dad very much, obviously. But um, but it feel like it, to me a lot of that stuff, as much as it has impacted like my direction in life and impacted you know, every aspect of my life, it also feels like a lifetime ago that I actually was with dad, like that yeah. he was my dad and that we, you know, would do things or interact or like, like it feels like so long ago that we were a family unit. Yeah. And, I mean, I feel that sense you know. as well. Like it feels like it was a long time ago and a whole lifetime has been. So I don't, I don't really have a, a struggle with talking about him in the past tense because to me, that was 
a quarter of my life ago. You yeah, know? yeah. I do talk about him, and it at this point feels so long ago that yeah. all of this happened, and yet it also feels like it was yesterday. It's mm-hmm. a weird, it's a weird thing. You it's know, very it's strange. Like, like I said, so much has happened in my life since that. Um, you know, so much that. I mean, my entire adult life has happened since that, so yeah, a lot has changed for me. Yeah, I, I not that it hasn't for you too, but <laughs> it really has. Eventually, we'll get to a point where we probably will bring um, Jim on, who is my my current husband, um, and talk kind of about that whole process. And um, but yeah, I mean, it does feel like a whole lifetime ago, but it also feels like it was just yesterday. Um, I find that I go back and forth. I think it depends on like what I'm talking about, whether or not I'm talking past tense or present tense, but I do tend to talk about him as if he is still here. I mean, in a present tense, not like as he's here, because obviously he's not, but like I don't talk about him um, in past tense very often. Um, I have to, I have to catch myself sometimes because especially if I'm talking to people who know that I'm remarried, <laughs> it can get a little confusing. <laughs> um, but so back to your, yeah, back to your dad. He had a crush on me forever. Yeah. So he, he, he had, he had really liked you from the time he met you at like what, five, six years old or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yes. And then, and then into your teenage years, he kind of, he had a he had a crush on me since I yeah started going to our congregation. Um, huge crush on me. I honestly didn't really know he existed until <laughs> I was like seventeen. Um, I mean, I knew who he was, but we didn't like hang out in the same circles. Um, our families weren't friends necessarily. Um, yeah, I mean, it just until you become a teenager, I don't know, you, you don't really hang out with a lot of kids on a regular basis. And I grew up with siblings and um, my family, you know, they kind of, I guess, kept to themselves in some ways. Um, so it's always I'll- interesting, I think, in that manner of like, you know, it sometimes when you like when somebody you don't really realize who notices you. And yeah. vice versa, you know? It's like he obviously took a notice of you right away, knew who yeah. you were, probably knew a lot more about you than you did of him. Oh, um, absolutely. And uh, and you were just oblivious to it. Completely. And it's like, you know, it, being in that spot, like, it, well, it's a crush, right? So it's yeah. It's like, um, it, it is interesting, though, being on the other side of that, where it's like, I had no idea you existed, and I was part of... <laughs> part of your world I guess you know yeah well and the the funny thing about that dynamic so when I was little um up through teenagerhood and you know until I started dating your dad I literally had a crush on like almost everyone like I was one of those girls that very easily had a crush on somebody it didn't matter I didn't like date really though when I became a teenager I mean I didn't um yeah, I didn't really have like a lot of boyfriends or anything like You're that. You're really missing that uh that attention at home, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> I just 
I just, um, I just, I just always, I had a crush on Seeking somebody. it out from all the boys. Yeah, except I never talked to any of them. I just had a crush from afar. I was, you know, I just always had crushes on people. You just so, like to live in your mind. Pretty much. I, so I had a crush on his best friend at the time growing up, which was, I thought, funny. Um, and your dad and I used to joke about it later on. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, um, so yeah, he's had a crush on me since I was like, since I, since he knew me um and then i uh had a crush on his best friend um for a long time i dated um when i was like 15 i think yeah 15 i kind of had like i dated i don't know like i guess at 15 do you really date nowadays you do but back then i mean i don't know how much of dating it was but um, I had a really good friend and we were like boyfriend and girlfriend when I was like 15, um, who was also friends. Like, you know, when you start to become in the teenage years, um, kind of like in high school too, I think. Um, but ironically, I was homeschooled. I did a year in seventh grade and then I went back to school. And then when I was in ninth grade, I was like, I don't want to be here so I started homeschooling in ninth grade so like my group my core group of friends primarily were people that I um who were part of my faith who were in my congregation we had a lot of teenagers um around not all exactly the same age but within a few years of each other on either side um that we had like a decent group of friends there so I spent a lot of time with all of these people um when I was growing up neither here nor there, I had a really, um, dysfunctional, tumultuous, turmoil, I don't know, type family situation. So I spent as much time away from home as possible when I was a teenager. Um, and so the boyfriend I had, um, when I was around 15, he was my best friend at the time. His, um, I spent literally every day at his house. Like I didn't spend the night at his house, um, but I spent every day at his house. And his mom kind of was like a maternal figure to me during that time from like 15 to 16 um, because I couldn't be at home. I mean, literally, I think um, until I moved out at 17, my mom and I fought every single day. Um, and so um, so I spent a lot of time with... If I remember that story properly, isn't this... Is this the same guy where, you know, you were boy, quote unquote boyfriend and girlfriend until he actually kissed you and you're like, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I, <laughs> and I used to give him. You're like, nah, I, I'm not into it. I'm not into it anymore. As no. As- yeah, exactly. And I, uh. I was such a jerk. I like made fun of him for a long time after that because we were still friends after that. <laughs> I was so, I mean, he was, he was mad at me for a while, but I used to give him a lot of crap. Um, no. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we only dated for like a few months, but really like, yeah, he kissed me. And I think what I realized at that time is that like, he just felt more like a brother to me than anything else. And so, um, Yeah. So that situation. Yeah. I just, I was never at home, um, at my house. Uh, I tried to not be there as much as possible. Um, I had a lot of like, uh, people that I would spend time with out, you know, just to get out of my house. And so I, um, moved out when I was 17 
into an apartment with my best friend at the time who was three years older than me, I think, or I think she was like 19 or 20 when I, when I was 17. So, um, we'd gotten an apartment together. Well, my best friend happened to be the sister of the, the boy that I had a crush on when I was younger. And then he was best friends with your dad. So really how your dad and I started spending a lot more time together was after I moved out into my apartment, um, for like the only teenagers that had apartments basically or an apartment at the time. And so everybody would just come and hang out at her house. So like her brother, and then of course, by extension, your dad would come. Keep in mind. Yeah. I mean, small town too. So, Oh yeah. It was super small town. Literally. Yeah. Everyone and their brother would come over and, you know, you're, you're the only people with your own place, your own, your own little privacy. So everybody would have just, Come yeah. And hang out where you're at. Yeah, people like to hang out. Um and so yeah, so I just started spending more time. I had also there there was like another friend of ours that was quite a bit older um who also would have a lot of us over. She had an apartment. And so I did spend time with your dad there as well. Um but I don't know, I, it was after we moved into our apartment um that I think I started to really take notice of him and um he, I don't know. I, as soon as we actually started spending time together, I knew within like two weeks that he was the guy that I was going to be with. Like I just knew, um, bear in mind that my situation growing up forced me to have a lot of maturity. when I was very young, I was parentified, I guess is the word. Um, when I was very young, like 11, 12, I really had to step into like a parental type role, not only with my siblings, but also with my parents. And um, so I was, I would say I was pretty mature for my age at a young age. And I was very, and even to this day, I mean, this is not shocking to anybody, but I really had strong opinions. I knew myself really well at that time. Um, and I so think, I think I've picked up a lot of that. <laughs> In I mean, general. Yeah, it's a good thing. I, I think as long as you're, you continue to be open to learning more about yourself. So like not being stuck in like, this is who I am. But I was always very self-aware of who I was in that moment of time. Um, and I think I, I just was saying that as like, I resonate with that because I feel very similar. I, I don't, obviously very different situation, but I've had to grow up quite quickly. Um, yeah. and I've been very much, uh, and our goal was not, I very much known, <laughs> well, <laughs> but I very much known who I am and like been very confident in myself for a long time because of that. And I'm often by most adults and most people that I've been around, like been told that I'm, you know, a bit more mature, uh, for my age, at least especially back when I was a teenager. Yeah. I think some of that has to do with the fact that you're an only child as well. You know, I mean, you literally Probably. were around adults all the time. Yeah, well, even even as a later teenager, you know, all of my friends were quite a bit older than me. I was always hanging around people in their 20s. And, you know, I never yeah. really like I had friends who were my age, but I never really got along with a lot of the kids my age because mm -hmm. um, I just 
I don't know. Uh, a lot of times we, we would do stuff and I just didn't find it was dumb stuff and I just didn't find it as enjoyable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think different reasons you, you definitely had to grow up faster, especially after your dad died. Um, prior to that being a teenager, I think a lot of that maturity for you just came from being an only child. I mean, we literally included you in everything. We didn't, um, we obviously had a very communicative and open family. So like, you know, we didn't shield you from things or, you know, shelter you from what's going on in the world or in our world. So I think, you know, that, that constant exposure to adults and you know, I don't know. So yeah, you were always fairly mature. So same thing. I think I, I think I always just had a desire to, to be, you know, have a very learning attitude when it came to the world. Yeah. And just to like how things work and, and, you know, to try to, I don't know. I don't know if I, I, I'm sure it's a whole whirlwind of circumstances that made me the way that I am. But, um, I always remember like I resonated more with people who are older than me because I felt like they had something to teach me, you know? Yeah. Rather than people my age, I often, often felt like I had to, um, I don't know if dumb myself down is the best word, but, or the best way of saying it, but, uh, I just, I felt like I had to limit myself to get along with people my age. Yeah. I mean, I can relate to that. And mine came obviously from having to literally grow up too fast. Um, so I think I, a lot I, of that, especially after, especially after dad died is, yeah. uh, was a lot of that as well, where, it, yeah. you know, I was put in a position where nobody really understood me. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know you understand. Um, I was, so yeah. So when I say I like knew, I knew myself really well and I just, I don't know. I just knew after I had spent more one-on-one time with your dad, I was just like, I knew that he, he and I were going to be together. And the funny thing is, is that, uh, his mom, obviously your grandma, um, really wanted me to be a part of like, she wanted me to be with Eric. So, um, Shout out to grandma. <laughs> and we love you very much. We do love you. Um, and she, at the time, you know, I still was, you know, right now I'm pretty much no contact with my mom. But at the time when I was younger, obviously I was very enmeshed in my family and I would say probably trauma bonded to my mom. Um, and so uh, while my mom would very jealous of certain relationships I had with other older women. For some reason, she also um, was really on this bandwagon of your dad and I um, getting together. So, and, and the so time, everybody liked you too as a couple. Yes. You know, you guys were very, um, I would say, because even dad, you know, he, he kind of had an interesting upbringing as well. Yeah. I think he was, you know, he had a big family. His dad was, well, yeah, he came from a big family. He had what, five brothers and sisters or six? Five. There were six five. total. Yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> Do math he in was, my head. He was right in the middle of, of the pack, you know, whereas you were the oldest of your siblings. Yeah. Although, interestingly, he was, I think it was six years between him and his oldest, older uh, brother, and then 
six years between him and his younger brother. So, um, yeah, so even, he was right in the middle, but he was very uh, kind of alone because by the mm-hmm. time he was a teenager, his older brother was out mm-hmm. and his older sister was out. Yep. And, and then, then he, he was he was in charge of taking care of all of his other siblings that were younger than him. So. Yep. His parents had both worked full time and they had to, um, you know, they had to they lived out in the country. Um, and so, yeah, I think Eric also was pretty mature for his age because he was responsible for these kids, um, his siblings when he was, uh, younger. And then he just in general was a pretty mature guy too. And I think that's probably part of what really, why we really clicked the way that we did is we both were more mature for our age. Um, then like our surrounding, um, group of, I don't know, people that we were around. Um, so yeah, we started hang- hanging out more and I just kind of knew. And the funny thing about your dad is he had this crush on me since I was like five. But at the particular time that we, that were like, I would say we, I started really like noticing him. He was kind of getting into some trouble as a teenager, as some teenagers do. And the crowd that he was hanging out with was maybe not like the best influence. And he was protective of me. So like he did not. So I knew that he had liked me at that point. Like it wasn't a secret, Um, but he didn't want. He, I think he felt like he wasn't good enough. Um, And I think that he also like didn't want me to be in like inadvertently get involved with like the crowd he was hanging out with, which. I wouldn't have anyways, because I just, it wasn't like my thing. Um, but so ironically, he started out having the crush on me forever. And then when I noticed him and was like, I really like you, he was just like, no, (laughs) he, um, was then, um, trying everything he could to like, make sure I wasn't interested because he didn't, I think he just felt like, I don't know. he it was something we used to talk about a lot in our relationship was just how um, he was in love with me forever. But like, he also at the same time, like, I think didn't feel like he was good enough. He was kind of in mixed up in this stuff that, you know, I think if he had continued on that path, um, you know, who knows what have come out of that. He used to tell me all the time too, that like um, he felt like I saved his life, you know, that he would have not, um, gone down a good path himself if he had him and I had not started dating when we did and kind of gone down the path that we did so um but yeah I mean I don't know he just your dad and you know your dad he has he's unassuming in a certain way he's we find we found out way after he died that he was like you know he had some social anxiety that he was he's pretty introverted um unless you know him really well, then he was very extroverted, which I think is pretty normal for most introverted people is. I, well, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but like, I remember, you know, a lot of people would be very intimidated by him or think that they Mm -hmm. didn't, that he didn't like them until they hung out a few times. And then he would, he, once he got comfortable around Mm -hmm. you, everyone was like, Oh, I love this guy. Yeah. It was just until then he was very, uh, not, not quite standoffish, but like if you didn't know his his vibe, I guess you didn't know how he interacted with people. 
people yeah. were put off by by his initial kind of impressions. And that was the same when he was younger too, is people were very intimidated by him. I mean, he was like one of those teenagers that like you definitely didn't want to be getting in a fight with him. That was for sure. Um, but he was like, not- I also think, I also think that he never, he was never really, uh, he didn't really ever care to like about the pleasantries to like get to know oh, you no. per se. And he didn't like, care. He, so technically. Pe- people would be polite or like, you know, try to try to, you know, talk to him and, and make small talk. And he didn't like small talk. He also didn't like, you know, the small pleasantries or whatever, he was a, a bit more of a deeper guy where, you know, I don't really care. To, and he, and he didn't, he didn't care um, to like go out of his way to get to know somebody per no. se, most of the time, unless he really liked you. And so a lot of people find that off putting because they're like, yeah. they're like, Oh, you know, he does. He's, he's not putting in any effort. So he clearly doesn't like me. And it's like, well, no, he just doesn't care. <laughs> Yeah, he just, well, I think, you know, again, hindsight 2020, knowing more about his diagnosis of severe social anxiety, all of that makes sense, right? Like, if mm-hmm. you are so severely anxious in social situations, you are not going to like the pleasantry, you know, small talk part of getting to know somebody. Um, and, you know, again, it, you know, it's, one of those things that I wish I had known about him at, you know, at when we were younger. Um, I mean, I knew it, obviously I could see it in real time and what it was happening, but I didn't understand that that's what it was. Right. Like so much of that becomes part of a person's personality that sometimes you don't realize that, that, that it might be more than that. And so, right. yeah. So, and I think, you know, everyone who is, in your dad's inner circle, absolutely adored him. Um, but yeah, people were definitely oh, every anybody who's ever gotten to know my dad absolutely yeah. adored him. <laughs> All of it his... was just that it was always just the first impressions because people would be like, you know, oh, he clearly doesn't like me, and it's like well, no, he, always... he just he just doesn't. Yeah, you know, he... he doesn't like the like he doesn't like the very beginning portion of any relationship, so he doesn't put any effort into that part. Yeah, and so like. People always had to come to him if they wanted to get to know him, basically. And then once they did, and once he got comfortable around you, he was a gem, you know, diamond in the rough kind of deal. I think that's where we really balanced each other out because I was very extroverted when I was younger. And I also was used to being very, I mean, all of my siblings are very close in age. Um, We're all maybe a year and a half maximum apart from each other. Um, and so I grew up with uh, two sisters and a brother. And so I just was a very extroverted person in general. And I think we really balanced each other out. Um, so yeah, I was, I, I started, I like hardcore pursued him. Um, and I remember, um, part of it was him sort of thinking he wasn't good enough for me at the time. Part of it was also, um, there was a girl that had like a crush on him that he was not um into or dating or doing anything like that but she had some tendencies to um he was afraid that if he started to um outwardly show interest in me that it would cause problems for me i guess would be the best way to put it um so 
I just remember um, kind of getting to a point where I was just like, nope, this is going to happen um, because I think, and this carried on, I think, through our relationship as we got older is I, I just could read him so well. So I knew what might be getting in the way. And I also knew that like sometimes he would hold himself back because of, you know, whether it was anxiety or other things. And so then I would just sort of push forward. And I think that's where we balanced each other out really well. Um, the thing I think, you know, as I've gotten to know myself better, as I've spent more time unpacking like my family stuff and, you know, the way I grew up and stuff, I came from a really, really chaotic, um, upbringing at my household. It was extremely chaotic. And, um, your dad for me was really grounding. He was a very safe space for me. Um, Well, I think, I think that's very common, you know, in terms of people with a lot of trauma or growing up in a um, chaotic household is either they look for love in that same level of chaos, Mm -hmm. which is how you end up in abusive relationships and like settling for things that aren't quite right for you. And that's usually, um, usually a case of you're, you're, you look for the love that you've been given. So that's all, you know, right. And then, and then love that's that, or, or, you know, a relationship that actually treats you better feels uncomfortable because that's not what you're used to. It can be. Yeah. Or on the, and then on the other hand, or it pushes people to search for stability because they don't have that at home. So they're looking for something to stabilize them. Um, you know, and it's it's interesting how there that kind of tends to be a dichotomy a lot. Yeah. Know, where it's like either you go one way or the other. And even I would say even with trauma in general, like like with what I've gone through, you know, a lot of people will either go one way or the other. They'll either go um where they regress or they stay kind of at that same level whenever that event happened. Um, or they go the opposite direction and they, and they become, they have to grow up fast and they become very mature. And it really, it really depends on the person and the situation. But like, I've seen it a lot of times where, you know, people my age go through something very traumatic and then they never, they never grow out of that state. They just kind of, you know, stay in that one, you know, mentality for forever. Um, I think that really grow a lot from it. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with like, what support systems you have, right? So, um, yeah, if you don't have a lot of support systems or if you have an environment that continues to re-traumatize you and you never really get out of that for a long time, um, it, I can, I think that's where you, a lot of people get stuck, but if you have, a good I think it's, it's not just like the support system either. I think it's also, um, you know, whether or not they have enough pressure to, to do, you know, to, to come out of it. They say pressure makes, you know, pressure makes diamonds, right? So it's like, it's like if you have a traumatizing event, but you're able to just sit in that instead of being forced by something to, you know, move on um, and and to get better, you know, and that, that kind of force can be different for everybody, but there's also, you know, if you're able to just sit in it, kind of our natural tendency is to do so. Well, and resources, um, you know, so again, it's, it's like support system resources. It's partially genetics and your personality. So, I mean, that's very true with me. I am 
not really much like my family at all. Um, I grew up in the same environment, um, but I have slightly different genetics. And so, um, you know, I, th- I think those things all play a role and it's kind of a mishmash of all of that. But yeah, I was initially, I think really, I, your dad was a very stable person. He was very strong, um, willed, <laughs> which stubborn, <laughs> extremely he was very stubborn. stubborn. Oh, stubborn to the fact that it was frustrating at times as we got older. Like when I was younger, it you know, um, that that strong will and that stubbornness actually really helped me. Um, but yeah, I I pursued him. We started dating, and I think we started dating in like April, and then in nineteen ninety eight, and we were married by the by December of nineteen ninety eight. And now, again, I did know him in a sense, like my almost my entire um, childhood. But yeah, we didn't um, we didn't date super long. Um, I think we were engaged like a couple months after we started dating. But when you know, you know, um, and we just knew. And uh, the, I think this is a very indicative thing of your dad is he. He, again, probably comes back to some of the anxiety that he experienced, but he was not like a, he didn't put on any sort of like, not show, but like people would say like, oh, well, he didn't how, put on a front or anything. Well, I mean, like he wasn't a, um, he didn't like attention. So, you know, if you think about people are like, well, how did he propose? Well, he didn't do anything crazy because like he didn't want that attention so i mean literally i think we were like cuddling on the couch and it was sort of like so do you want to (laughs) do you want to get married so like it wasn't anything um you know there was no big grand gesture nothing like that um and that was very much i think you know indicative of his personality and at the time for me like i had enough personality and enough like extrovertedness to probably cover you know multiple you know people so um we really balanced each other out yeah i was gonna say i think that's the thing that he really found captivating about you is that you drew him out of his comfort zone oh i didn't even draw him i like literally pushed him out of his comfort zone all the time (laughs) right well and i know as much as he hated that he also loved it and he needed it it yeah um, but I think he was very captivated by you just in your kind of energy versus him where he, again, like you said, he was very much, um, he was a lot more quiet and reserved and like, he didn't like the attention, like you said. So, Mm-mm. you know, he, he was a very funny guy. So he would make comments in the background and if you weren't paying attention, oh, you know, it would go those right one liners. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but anybody who knew him and paid attention to him were like, you know, if you were, I don't think he was very intro- introverted, but I think a lot of that came from he didn't view himself as very important. Yeah, I think that that's true. And I think a lot of the the introversion came from the social anxiety. Again, all of this is stuff that I didn't know at the time. We didn't know, um, as we'll continue to kind of explain until after he died. Um but it explains a lot of like his personality and why he was the way he was. Um, 
but yeah, he was really stable. And I, what I thought was, so one thing I will say about Eric is that like, we grew up together, you know? So I think, you know, when you lose a spouse, it's so hard to explain that type of loss because it's multiple losses. It's not like I just lost this person who I was married to, who is my husband, who I was in love with, but he was my best friend, my family, and then we had created a family together. So like I grew up with him. Like I had been with him since I was 17 and and we got married and we had a child together and we became a unit and he was a person who always had my back. So I came from a very unstable, very chaotic family background where I often fulfilled the role of the bad guy. Like that's bad guy and me are very synonymous, um, in my familial situation. And so, um, And with him, I, he just, he like adored me and he always had my back. So he was the person that taught me how to stand up for myself because the person that I am today, I was not like this when I was a teenager. I mean, I was very opinionated and I had a lot of, you know, things that I was, you know, some strengths and maturity but I was terrified of confrontation. Like I didn't do well with it. Um, that was the one, that was the one thing with, with dad. I think that was very important is because he had this like attitude where he just didn't really care what people thought of him. Um, even though he, he probably really, really did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he, you know, he was never afraid of confrontation Mm-mm. or anything like that. Like, but he, he, may, he was very reserved and quiet, but like mm-hmm. he was not afraid to, uh, he yeah he was not afraid to be the one to confront any situation if it or put his foot down or yeah and he didn't go looking for it but and it took a lot to get him to a point where he would get upset about something but once he got to that space i feel like scapegoat is a better um is a better name for how your family treated you more so than i mean it was bad guy as well but like but like i feel like you got you would step in and try to help with a lot of things mm-hmm. and you would help, but you put in, you would put in boundaries with dad's help. And then um, when people cross those boundaries, he would help you kind of um, prevent that. And, and oftentimes your family wouldn't respect that. And then they'd call you the bad guy because they crossed your boundaries. Yeah. And I, I would argue too that my boundaries have been an ever evolving thing. Like I, he was the person who helped me learn that having boundaries was a good thing. Um, I remember when we were first married, I mean, he was the person that would say to me, like, you know, when you, when you grow up in a small bubble, you know, of a dysfunctional and chaotic family, that's all, you know, and you don't necessarily realize that some of the stuff that's going on is not okay or not normal or not healthy Um, until you start to get distance from it. And then once you get distance from it and you start to see it, you're like, oh yeah, this isn't normal. Or like, maybe this isn't okay. Or this isn't how other people treat each other. And so for me, he was that person, not only, cause I mean, I moved out when I was 17. So it's not like, like he got me out of that situation in the sense, 
but like I still was very enmeshed even as even though I had moved out. Um he was the oh, person still your family. Yeah. And he was the person that just really and he wasn't like intrusive about it. It wasn't like he was like you need to do whatever with your family. It was more just that he really started to point out things to me that were like, he was like, that that's not like, okay for, you know, this yeah, to happen. He, or he that would observe and, and bring it to your attention. You mm-hmm. know, he would, he would observe how they treated you and he'd be like, Hey, that's not normal. That's not. And it's okay. just not okay. And it's because he loved me. So like, he also was very protective right. of me. Like he just was, he did not put up with, Uh, other people treating me badly and you know for me I needed that I needed somebody who was in my corner oh yeah very much so I think that's always a um, interesting thing in general too because oftentimes I think in a really I've witnessed in in relationships a lot where especially with my friends and stuff where confronting you know your significant other's family is a whole different thing. Yeah. Right. Because the family, the family has, you know, typically much, obviously much more history with that person, but also, you know, they almost feel like they have a right to treat them however they want because they're family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've seen with a lot of my friends in, in their relationship, well, I'm not, I wouldn't, I shouldn't say a lot, but I've seen in um, certain friends growing up, that when they get into a relationship that's serious, they're still afraid to confront things with, um, with family members because you know they don't want to step on any yeah. toes or whatever. And it's like, well, if you kind of are in that level of relationship, um, you know, where you where you're seeing that like you want, you think your partner should be treated in a certain way, it's okay to to help set up those boundaries. Yeah, and I think you know also. I wanted that. I recognized that the dynamic that existed was not healthy. And so I just didn't always know how to have the strength or the ability to like always keep the boundary or put my foot down. Um, And your dad was the person who really taught me how to do that. And he also taught me to do that because he was always a safe space to land. Like I always knew no matter what happened, he had my back a hundred percent. Well, and I guess uh, the important thing is that he, he never forced it on you. He Mm -mm. was just a support system for you to Mm -hmm. do it on your own. Yep. But he did, he did observe those things and point some of them out to you and say like, is that really how you deserve to be treated? Right. You know, is that really how you want to be treated? And if and if you don't want to be treated this way, I'm mm-hmm. always here for you mm-hmm. to to land on. So you're not you're not alone in trying to face that with yourself. With, I remember with, with the your first family or whatever. Yeah, I remember the first couple times that I confronted. Um, I don't know friends or I had a lot of dysfunctional friendships too at the time. Obviously, because I came from a dysfunctional family system, so like I just I didn't understand like what a healthy friendship looked like either. And like, like I said before, when you come from chaos you seek chaos a lot of times yeah until you until you find somebody who who helps bring you out of it you have right some sort of support to bring you out of it but i remember like after we got married and i remember sitting in like our first apartment and like there was a person you know that was not treating me well um and i just remember being so and it was an adult so it wasn't i mean 
I mean, technically I was an adult at that point too, but I was still 18. And I think this person was like in her forties or something. And I just remember being so terrified, but like she, this person was not treating me well and, and, and was being just, she was not, she was crossing boundaries. And I remember being like, I just want to be able to tell her that this is not okay. And like, I'm not going to accept this anymore, but I've never done that before ever. Um, and so I was so terrified. Um, and I remember your dad, like he literally would just, he sat with me, um, as I'm like terrified getting on this phone call to, to sort of have this confrontation slash conversation with this person to start setting boundaries. And, um, and he just was there. He always was just there and he always had my back. And that continued even after we had you, we were always united. I think, I think that was kind of the the defining thing of your guys' relationship and what made it so special is that you really, you really were ride or die for each other. Mm-hmm. Like you really were, you know, he always, even if he disagreed with, with your behavior or, or how, or what was going on, he always had your back in the moment. Yeah. You know, and he always, he always was just supportive. So like he, he never really took your battles for you, but he was there to, mm-hmm. to help you if, you, if, and when you needed it just to be somebody to lean on. And I think that's, first of all, I think that that's a very, um, important kind of thing to have in a relationship where you're yeah. very supportive of each other. Um, cause that's, that's ultimately what all of us need and want. But, yeah. um, I think that that's also a very, you know, special thing that, that, um, about your relationship is that, yeah, you never really had to worry about trust or support or anything like that. You always just took care of each other. Yeah, no, we never did. We, we, and we both were secure in the relationship. So we both were free to, to be who we were. And, you know, again, um, we had a lot of growing, I would say that your dad, you know, he grew a lot, um, but he also stayed, you know, pretty consistent. Um, I think because of the environment I came from and then just my own personality of constantly pushing to be better and evolving like mental health wise and like emotionally, um, you know, I went through a lot of really big changes when I was younger, um, as I continued in my own you know, journey and your dad, you know, he just kind of rolled with the punches. Like he, he loved who I was at the core. And like, even though like I probably had like 50 different career paths that I was trying to follow. I was like (laughs) early 20s. He he was like, he was very much like your biggest fan and he was your biggest supporter and all those things. mm -hmm. And so he was always the person who just wanted you to be you. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, I'll just take care of it. I'll make sure that everything, yeah. you know, he was always the one who took care of everything to give you the platform to, you know, to grow the way that you wanted to. Yeah, he was. And he was comfortable. He was very comfortable just with his life, like having us and uh, as he a liked routine and allowing you. To, yeah. Yeah. He, and allowing he, you to do what you wanted to do. And yeah, he liked things to be, you know, and that, I mean, makes sense again, because the reason I was attracted to him is he was a very stable grounding presence and he liked his routine. He liked things, you know, to not change all the time. Um, 
And I think that's where we balance much the opposite of that. (laughs) Right. And that's where we balance each other out. And me, I don't know that I necessarily like things to change all the time. It's just what I knew. And that's, you know, what I experienced in life. Things were never stable. Ultimately, though, I don't think that's really changed. All things considered, you know, I think you've gotten a lot more used to it and you've learned how to do it effectively and a little bit more efficiently. But I don't think you're seeking out change all the time has really has really changed all that much i don't i don't know that i necessarily seek it out i just am okay with it so like i'm okay with making a change if i feel like an opportunity arises or you know something but well i think i think the difference though is that you're okay you're you've become so comfortable with change that you're okay making a change if it presents itself but I think you also tend to seek opportunity yeah. and to seek growth. And yeah. so because of that, when you come across something that you're like, oh, this might be good, you're you're willing to pull the trigger like that, whereas most people are not. Right. Um, and so, so in a way, you still do seek out change a lot. It's just a bit more purposeful um, yeah. on your part rather than just kind of going in blindly. Yeah. Um, but. I think you're so comfortable with it that you just kind of you just end up doing it all doing it a lot. I mean, even after dad died, there was a lot of things that that continued to change. And and well, I mean, it got worse. It was I would say for a while, you know, there was a consistency to the type of change and growth that I had. But like when your dad died, I mean, literally when everything in your life that exists changes in an instant. I mean, the best way I can describe losing someone you've been married to for 19 years and together with 20 years, who's your family, your best friend and everything is it literally feels like you all of a sudden woke up in an alternate universe. Like everything looks the same, but it's not. And everything's different. Every single aspect of my life was different just like that. Well, and I think, and so after that, um, you know, change is not that scary anymore because literally everything changed in that moment. Everything in my life changed. So then, well, you know, I think I think more. too. I think to that event, um, probably kind of. Well, I, I think you mentioned this in a previous episode already, where you know you you had said you had issues with like anxiety and panic attacks and you were finally getting to a good spot where you where you felt good and you were doing good on those fronts and then you know he died and it felt like a big setback for you i think that also was a setback in your own personal you know journey growth wise and stuff because mm-hmm. um you know you as you just said you were you were very much on a, a steady path or a steady, um, you know, continuous path of growth, but it was it was a lot more pointed and purposeful. Yeah. And then I think after after he died, you got set back in a way where you're like, well, now all of my plans have changed. Everything's instantly. different. So so now I, now I have to reassess and redo everything yep. about my life and the whole. You know, you have to start. You everything's you open. had to start over. Essentially. Yeah, like the right. whole. It's kind of like. I think I felt a lot, uh, you know, uh, during those periods after he died, uh, was sort of like a teenager who's going to be 18 and literally can choose whatever they're going to do. And you're like, okay, what do I do? Oddly, 
Yeah, I think oddly you and I were in a very similar position after yeah. he died because we both were back to like I was already there in life, but I think you got set back to that same mm-hmm. kind of point of now I have to figure out what to do with my life because for for me it was just general coming of age growth type stuff, but for you it was it's not like you had a plan B for if, if dad was no longer here. Like you were, your plan was him. Your plan was to spend your lives together. And that got blown up. And even on the path you were on before he died, you know, in terms of your growth and you were back in school, going to nursing school, trying to start this new career, like you were still doing that with, you know, the notion in your mind of building a life with my dad or continuing to build right. a life with my dad. Yeah. And so having that setback of like, oh, now I have to figure out how to build a life for myself again yep. without him. Yep. Um, it was it was kind of odd that you and I ended up in, in a very similar position. Yeah. Um, and I think it made it really difficult for you because you're trying to figure stuff out. And then I'm what you knew to be what had been stable and consistent for you was also different. And even just with well, me, I was going to I was going to say, I think that's also part of part of it for me, you know, you you had said earlier that you and dad tried really hard to to minimize the chaos in my life. Mm-hmm. After he died though, that's all it was. And it was for me too. I know I I well I know it was, but yeah. I also no longer had the stability that I was used to. Everything yeah. got thrown into chaos and I just had like it's I I got thrown with adulthood, I got thrown into the deep end of the pool. Right yeah. <laughs> you because totally it was like did. the second I the second I turned 18, I was on my own and like in a in a lot of ways on your own Um, in an emotion i would say in some emotional and like mental ways you weren't on your own like well i yeah i mean i was i had i had physical support yeah um but i had to navigate i had to navigate the world and i had to navigate you know my own internal self um i would say by myself yeah in a lot of ways you know, I, I had various support systems and I had, you know, people from our congregation and I did have you and I did have, um, but I didn't have you in the way that I was used to. Yeah. And it was f- a very different, it was a very different you. And that's, yeah. I mean, ultimately that's okay. But like, like I said, half of what I knew in my world was gone yeah. because I pretty much like I knew you guys and, um, and then you had changed completely. Like well, almost, not completely. I, I I think there's some things that were very consistent, but I did I did def. I mean, everything in my life was different. So of course, you know, I well, like I said, you know, you were still very much you, but we didn't have dad to to be dad. He was no longer a stabilizing force for you, and he was no longer um, a buffer for us because we are so similar. <laughs> And so I think that was. Well, yeah. And we'll talk more about like, I think that stuff specifically, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, unfortunately that's the byproduct of something super traumatic happening. Um, And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I think both you and I. Everybody's trying to deal with it at the same time and circumstances of life and all the things that you can't control. Everyone feels isolated because, again, we were going through a similar loss, but like we both were very much dealing with our own things. And these were things that other people couldn't necessarily like help us with or deal with. You know, we all we had a great support system all around. Um, 
but yeah, it was a very isolating time. But kind of back to your dad. Well, I, I, I get. I was just gonna say. I guess my my main point with kind of going into that that is that for me that level that moment, I kind of lost stability because you yeah. know, um, you know, in the same way that you had lost stability, mm-hmm. um, and so it's weird being weird that we were both in a very similar position because um, we were both kind of on our own journeys with dealing with all of it. Yeah. You know, not that we weren't there for each other, but, um, but we weren't there for each other in the ways that we had been used to because normally we had a third party. Well, and that those people didn't exist anymore. You know what I mean? Like even those versions of you, those versions of me, they didn't exist anymore after your dad died. And so. Right. Well, we we were different. Like, honestly, I think I was a very different person, you know, than I am now. And I think you were also mm-hmm. in a lot of ways very different when you, when he was with us. Yeah. Um, than in the aftermath of it, um, which goes to show how really who you spend your time with. Uh, really impacts who you tend to be as a person. Yeah. I mean, I think interesting thought as well. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing is, is that there's a lot about like choices I've made and things that I'm doing now that are very much a part of my core personality. But when you get married and you have a family and you know, you make those choices there are a lot of things that you maybe would be naturally inclined to do or would do if you were single and by yourself that you don't do because you're working towards a specific goal as a family, right? Like I had you and your dad. I mean, we had you. We had specific things that we wanted to make sure we provided, you know, as parents in terms of, you know, support and love and helping you, you know, grow, um, and, uh, like having emotional intelligence and, and navigating the world and, um, understanding human behavior and things that like, I don't know, like, I wish I'd known a little bit better when I was younger, um, navigating relationships. So, you know, there were a lot of things that I was inclined to, or like, if it was totally up to me, I would have done that you didn't get it, get to see that your dad knew that about me, but you didn't get to see that because that's not where we're at. I was your mom. You had your dad. We were, you know, focused on what was best for you um, and us as a family, not what was best for Susie. <laughs> and so I think some of the things that I've done now post loss are not necessarily a different me. It's just a part of me that hasn't been expressed for a long time because there are things, you know, about my personality that, you know, are journeys that I would have taken um, probably if I had never gotten married, you know, like certain decisions that I made. Well, and again, you know, I think that was kind of the catalyst, like you were saying, of when we got put into that same kind of situation. Um, you know, I think for me, there there was there was that moment where you kind of went off and, and were became became a little more focused on like, OK, what am I going to do now? My plans are all blown up. What's my plan B? And so you kind of 
started going in all these different directions, trying to figure out your life again. Um, which again, for me as like the 17 year old, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well now I don't, you you became more of who you are as an individual with me and let, and less of a, of a mom role very quickly. I would say you also pushed for that though, because you were almost 18 when your dad died. Yeah. You pushed hard for that though. Well, I, I I was pushing hard for that until dad died. And then I realized, well, I actually still need, well, I, I guess I didn't really realize this until much later. But yeah, I was going to say, because still... you pushed, you 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 were you pushed pretty hard for really starting to have that separation, which I was totally supportive of because I think right. it's necessary. But yeah, right. it was it I was th- a hard think... time. It was a hard time. Yeah, cause... it well, it, it was one of those things where it was just because of the circumstances, it pushed me in a direction to to. I think I was very focused on finding my own way. Yeah. Um, because I didn't really. Part part of it was because I wanted to, and I've always been an independent kind of spirit. And part of it is because I didn't really see any other options. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. Ha- I don't think either of us really had a lot of options. We just kind of <laughs> were out there without the life vest, sort of trying to like swim and not yeah. sink. Yeah. You know, after that whole situation. But I think that goes to speak to, you know, how much of a stabilizing anchor and force your dad was um, in our family. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Um, I mean, he he was he was. Oh, man, I like we were so incredibly close all throughout my childhood. In yeah. My I mean, what do you remember about we your would, dad? I mean, I mean, he, he was always very good at being playful with me and like that's one of the things that i appreciated a lot as we yeah you don't know especially as a kid (laughs) (laughs) he would call me names like that all the time but we would wrestle and we would Mm -hmm. go fishing and we would you know play catch and like i mean he was a total dad he made dad jokes all the time oh he he was the the king of dad jokes king of dad jokes yep except i can't remember any of them (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's tough. That's the one thing that's kind of disappointing is it's it's tough to remember the details of mm-hmm. all those little things that you take for granted every day. Um, but he, I, you know, I always I remember when we when I was little and we used to live at that house. We would go catfishing under the bridge all the time on mm-hmm. the river, and that was one of the pictures, you know, standing yeah. points in my memory and camping um, up yep. on family land. And then every year uh, we went camping. That was kind of like you a know tradition. And then, yeah, and um, going up to the North Shore, uh, you know, doing that sort of thing for for family trips. And, like, I always remember he would he would come down, you know, he would come into my room just at random times. I'd be doing my thing. And this was always indicative, you know, looking back, this was indicative of kind of the way he loved me. But he would just want to come and hang out with me for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, and I... <laughs> Especially when I became a teenager, I tended to get a little more annoyed with him. So, like, I wanted to do my own thing. Yeah. And he would come in and be like, oh, what are you up to? Like, let me hang out with you. And I'd be like, no, I'm in the middle of something. Yeah. Like, he, absolutely, he absolutely adored you. I, uh, yeah. And. God. You know, he. I don't know. I, I think. He was such a. I mean, he taught me everything. Oh, most of the things that I know, he was very good at, like, you know, encouraging 
or allowing me to uh, again kind of find my own path and like you know just encouraging me to do the things Mm -hmm. that I enjoy um but he was also where I got my sense of humor from and where I learned how to how to be handy and fix stuff and like all of that cooking Um, your dad was he's the cook in our family he and mm -hmm. you know you guys used to cook together when you got uh, a little bit older into the teenage years especially you really kind of took an interest in that so I remember you guys used to like plan out the meals and like cook a whole you know dinner and it was like a thing and we had we had a we had a boat so we would go out on the boat all the Mm -hmm. time together and um, thankfully he taught you how to drive the truck with the boat and get it on well, and with off the trailer and, and all trailer, that stuff yeah. right L- literally the summer before he died uh you were at that age and he was teaching you because <laughs> i didn't know how to do any of that yeah yeah it came uh, in handy afterwards because then i could actually deal with all that stuff yeah he um so like kind of just even going back to like when you were born um i just vividly have this picture in my mind of you know we were married nine months when we found out we were pregnant with you. You were a surprise. I know you like to say accident, but I just don't think it was a, it wasn't on purpose, but it was a happy kids. Yeah. Yeah. We were not Bob Ross style. (laughs) We were not planning on having children. Yeah. You were, you were surprised. And, uh, we were so excited though, when we, you know, found out we were having you, um see that's why that's why it doesn't stand for you to be like this is all you know all my problems with my body are your fault because <laughs> it wasn't my fault that was, you knew perfectly well what you were doing that was whole whole different you knew story. the risks whole different story <laughs> um <laughs> so i just remember um you know and I, the thing i really appreciated about your dad too is again he always had my back so like a lot of times i think people thought that he was the person who like decided something a lot of times i'm the one who decided this is what how i want it to be and he was just the person that enforced it especially yeah, with my he was fa- the enforcer especially with my family because my family like boundaries didn't exist and um when i know that we had discussed pretty in depth that when we went into labor and we were going to have you that we wanted it to just be us um until we were ready to have other people meet you like we didn't want to have everybody waiting outside the door for you to be born or people in the room with us because it was our family like we had we this was we created you this was our little family we wanted to experience it um by ourselves and then and then invite people to you know meet you as well and i just remember like after you were born and the first time he got to hold you, I mean, you know, I think you remember your dad, uh, you know, he didn't get emotional super often, but when he did, um, I don't know, he just, he had tears in his eyes. Like he instantly had fallen in love with you. I think he actually fell in love with you before I fell in love with you. <laughs> That's my child. <laughs> like I was not one of those. You're like you get this thing out of me. Well, you know, everyone talks about having a baby and they're like, oh, it's the most magical, beautiful thing ever. And you're like instantly in love with this baby that you just, you know, held for nine months or carried. And now you gave birth and, I just remember it still feeling very weird and foreign and like I did not have this instantaneous connection. The The funny thing for me is that every day as you continue to get older and develop your personality, the more, you know, 
attached and in love I fell with you as my child. Um, but with your dad, it was literally love at first sight. Like he, you could see it in his eyes. He had tears in his eyes. Like he absolutely adored you. And I think that just what you were describing to you in terms of your experience growing up with him, um, just very much. Oh, we were like best that. friends. Yeah. Yeah. And he just, and that was with both of us. I mean, he just, we never questioned. I think we've talked about this before. We have never questioned whether your dad loved us, whether he, you know, any of that. I mean, he just, we always knew that he was anything that he was struggling with. It wasn't, it had nothing to do with his family life or the life he lived in or us or you know, like we knew that that was his own internal demons kind of deal. Yeah. I mean, he just, he, we never doubted, um, his feelings. I never doubted his feelings about me. You never doubted his feelings about you. Um, but he had some, I mean, I mean, yeah, no, of course he was, he loved us so much, probably more than he loved himself. Um, definitely. He loved us more than but he we, loved himself. I mean, we also, we also loved him so much oh. for, for the same exact reason. Yeah. I mean, I think um, your dad and I accomplished. He definitely had his quirks. <laughs> your dad and I accomplished what we wanted to, which was to create our own little family and to have our own little pod, you know, um, yeah. and unit. And we always thought of our family as a unit. I mean, we brought you everywhere. We didn't, I don't know. You just were part of, you were part of the group. You know, you were you were just part of our group and it was just the three of us, our little pod. And, um, but yeah, your dad, So in terms of, I, I was going to say in terms of like his mental health and stuff. You know, yeah. I think, I don't think either of us up until kind of things started to get bad before he died. I don't think either of us really realized, you know, no. what he had been going through on an internal level for a long time. No, not um, at all. Your dad was very good at, um, well, I mean, he internalized a lot of things and as, as, a, as aware of mental health stuff as I was, given the situation I grew up in, um, there were a lot of things that I did not realize that were going on with your dad, which yeah. well, I still I think- struggle with to this day, that I didn't see those things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, for one thing, like we've already talked about, kind of in depth, his his social anxiety and like and kind of just his introverted. Not not that it, being introverted is is a bad thing, but like he, I don't think he was introverted because he didn't like people. I think that he was introverted because he, had- he was so socially anxious mm-hmm. that he couldn't bring himself to go through. You know, it wasn't fun for him. That. He didn't enjoy yeah. it. It wasn't fun. He, um, he used to say that all the time. I don't, I don't need friends. And it's like, we're humans. Everyone needs friends. But I think he had convinced himself that he liked to be alone and it wasn't true and it wasn't good for him, but that was what was comfortable for him. Right. And well, and so again, it's like, there's nothing wrong with, with, uh, you know, being more introverted, wanting to be, Mm -mm you know, more alone, but there, but he got to a point where he was isolated. Yes. And like, he never, he never, he didn't want to get to know people. He didn't want to interact with anybody outside of us. Really want to go and do anything. 
yeah, I mean, he had his small little circle of like, we had our family, friends, his family, people that he already knew. Um, but otherwise, like he had no desire to, um, to branch out in any capacity. Um, yeah. And you I know, think- and, and there, again, there's a difference between being so involved and invested in like your immediate family that you just don't have time for those things versus specifically not doing those things because you know it's it's too overwhelming for you and that's where he was at but we didn't know any of that until you know until i mean all of that kind of started pretty much right before he died yeah yeah it started about a year and a half before he died but we really didn't understand the gravity of what was going on with him until not like just a handful of months before he died not to mention that um some of it we didn't even really understand until after he died. I mean, I pulled all of his records from everything and he had started going to therapy before he died. Um, I pulled those. That's how I found out he was diagnosed with severe social anxiety, not, not just social anxiety in the note in capital letters. It says severe social anxiety. I mean, like debilitating. Yeah. And, um, I just remember he was so good at hiding it though. And like just who knowing, you know, growing up with him, interacting with him, knowing who he was, it was, it wasn't, um, he was very good at hiding or like internalizing, putting on kind of almost a front. Yeah. Like you would never know, like you would never know that he was anxious. No, but he was, Yeah, or, and even, um, or you would be able to tell that he's anxious and he would be very so disconnected with his emotions oh. that he'd be like, what are you talking about? Like yeah. you could, there were days I remember coming home, especially in that last, you know, probably year before he died, where I rem- I, I could feel his anxiety across yeah. the room and I'd be like, hey, what, you know, what's going on? What's wrong? And, he had and he'd no, be like, what are you talking about? He had no concept you of know? it. Because it was just his normal. He he just got to a point where he he wasn't hiding it as well anymore. I think, I mean, I have theories about that, but I do think that like his job and we'll talk more about this in the next episode of kind of like what happened with him over the years and sort of how we thought he, how things kind of ended up to where they did right before he died. Um, But I think that the job that he had before he died was really good for him in a lot of ways. It was good for our family. Um, But then also um, it, exacerbated his social anxiety because he had to be on like he was with cl- clients and customers and you know always having to socialize in a way people, yeah he had, he had to take people he had to he was a kind of a salesman in a way sort of um he's a customer service. But like he had to yeah he had to he had to please clients is basically yeah. what it came down to so he often was taking people out to dinner and like you know doing company dinners and ha- and entertaining and and um for somebody who was very non-social, he had a very social job. Right. And, and I think that that's ultimately what the downfall was, is that the more he had to do that for his job, the more when he was at home, he needed to, I guess, in a sense, recharge. But because he didn't understand that about himself, he he started to have some like really unhealthy habits that were not helping him recharge. They were you know, starting to, I think, make that cycle worse for him. Um, And 
you know, now again, hindsight 2020, you can see it so clearly when you look back, right. but in the time, but in I the mean, moments, it was very difficult for us to, to see that. Well, and you, I think also just the timing of it is you and I were very, I would say engrossed in our own stuff because you were working and you were in school. And, yeah, I was doing nursing school. You know, I was super busy. You were working had, at a shelter or something. At I had that some point. family stuff that was going on that I was dealing with, which yeah. we'll get into. But yeah, I mean, um, it and, was, then, and then I was also in school. I was also working. I was like, you know, finishing up high school. I was also in post secondary, so I was finishing, or I was like doing generals in college. I had a job. I had a social life. So like, he isolated himself. Um, by not really having anybody to hang out with outside of us. But then on top of that, we were busy all the time. And so he kind of just invested himself in working. But then. Yeah, um, it was a vicious. His work was not was probably not very healthy for him. And so yeah. he, I think he was kind of spiraling and we just we and weren't. I don't think we didn't notice. I think. Well, that's not true. We, I noticed, but also there's a part of you after you've been married a really long time, when you know that there are things that are like, I knew something was going on with your dad because I knew him better than anybody. I knew him inside and out. Um, he, I probably knew him better than he knew himself and I knew something was going on with your dad. However, there's a part of you when you've been married that long and you've been with someone that long and you kind of, I mean, marriage is not like all an upwards trajectory and you have ups and downs and you just, it's kind of life, right? Like things happen and you deal with them and whatnot. And so like, I could tell something was going on with your dad, but like there was this kind of mindset of like, I just got to get through nursing school. I just got to deal with what's going on with me with this right now, because you know, in order for me to have this career to start financially supporting and contributing, you know, I just got to get through this and then like, I'll, I'll help figure out what's going on with your dad when I'm done with this. Because again, I'm not thinking that this is the end of it. You know, I'm not thinking that I'm not going to have time to figure out what's going on with him. Right. So you kind of put, and I, I guess saying, you know, we didn't notice was obviously not the right way of, of saying that because we did we did notice something was wrong. I think you obviously being married to him noticed a lot sooner than I did. But mm-hmm. I ultimately ended up being the one who figured it out because. Well, I, yeah, so so, so we'll, I, I think we'll get into a lot of that on the next episode here. But um, yeah, I think we'll. Yeah, I mean, I mean, ultimately, he throughout our lives was a very. He, I mean, he was the best dad I could have asked for. He was, he very was the best husband. Force. He was awesome to everybody in his life, but he wasn't very awesome to himself. <laughs> he wasn't very. Um, yeah, I don't think he realized. He wasn't very nice to himself. I don't think. And not nice to himself in the, I mean, like just mentally in his own thought process. I just don't, I don't think that he, I really don't think he saw people or saw himself the way that other people saw him. Oh, and, no. And, and, he, and he was very hard on himself in mm-hmm. general. Like, he he put a lot of pressure on himself to provide and to be the man that, that you know, he thought you deserved or, you know, the father that he thought I deserved. He put, yeah. he put so much pressure on himself to um, be perfect in, in, in a lot of ways. ways. Yeah. And... Um, 
ultimately, but he didn't know how to cope with all of that stress no. in a healthy way. No, and 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 it's so funny, not funny, haha, but funny, ironic, that here he is married to somebody who probably knows more than anyone at that point about mental health given the circumstances that I grew up in and anyone all the in stuff your I lives. anyone in my lives right at the time um in our lives but like he was so stubborn and I think honestly deep down he was afraid that that stuff might be true and he just didn't really want to face it or know how to deal well, with it yeah I mean I mean he had we had a lot of conversations like I think as a family but just in general about you know hey, there's something going on like you need to with him about, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, there's something going on like we're even when it came to like going to the doctor and stuff. Oh, he was so stubborn. And you'd be like, you need to go to the doctor Mm -hmm. or you need to. And he'd be like, "Uh, -uh. you're making it up. It's not a big deal, whatever. Um, You could not get that man to do anything that he did not want to do. And it did not matter. Um, And I think some a lot of that. Sometimes it just came from probably his own fears, right? Like, it, you know, if I don't go to the doctor and, you know, deal with this, then... And I, I don't have to find what's wrong. I, I don't out have to figure wrong. out what's wrong with me. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, unfortunately... Well, I, I think... I was going to say, unfortunately, that was his demise. Hey, you know how this works. If you like this episode or just like us in general, you can find us at It's Going Podcast on all the things. Don't forget to check out the links in the description. And thanks for hanging out with us.